everyone. My name is Terry Swan. I'm the senior pastor here. We're delighted to have you in worship with us, and good morning to those online who have joined us. We're glad that you're worshiping with us. Well, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here today, and happy Mother's Day to all the men who have had to be a mother and a father at times, and to all the people who have stepped into a mother's role. A person does not have to be a biological mother to be a mother. Amen? And to all our guests, Feliz Dia de las Madres. So today we have a number of our guests who are here that speak Spanish, and I'm, gonna about, I'm about to tell them that I don't speak Spanish that well. Mi español así, así, mal. I told them it was bad. Um, I took Spanish in college for a number of semesters, and I never came out with hardly anything. In fact, in high school, all I learned was to say, me permite ir al baño, which meant, may I go to the bathroom? That's all I learned how to say in high school. But last, this weekend, we celebrated a marriage. Morgan and Sylvia, will you stand for just a moment? We are so glad that you're with us today, so glad you've got your entire family. It's such a testimony for what your marriage means to you, this family, this center on family. And so today, as this Mother's Day, we celebrate all the people here who have ever said to someone, you keep making that face and it's going to freeze like that. <laughs> right? And we celebrate all the people here today who have said, there is nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. Amen? Let's pray as we begin. Good and gracious God, thank you. Thank you for your spirit that washes over each of us. We may, may we be met by you. Touch my mind, my heart, my lips, my tongue, my voice, that I might proclaim your good news, God, my Lord and my Savior. Help me to get out of the way, God, so that you can be seen. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we began a new sermon series this last weekend entitled Alive, and it's on a study on the book of James. And Pastor Tim gave us a great understanding of what it means to be alive in our faith. That faith without works is a dead faith. Faith without works is a dead faith. Fecien acción es fue muerta. Okay, I don't know how many extra syllables I put in that sentence. But that's what that meant. Faith without works is a dead faith. Being alive in our faith is an active faith. It's a faith that moves by the power of the Holy Spirit. I told a story many years ago as I began ministry here at Salem about one of my first mission experiences. We went back into the Appalachian Mountains, back into the haulers. You know what a hauler is, right? You got a hauler because it's so far back there. And so we were there, we were building a floor for a, a woman by the name of Ruby, and I could tell you all kinds of stories about that trip, about how Michael got so sick that trip that um, I, he was crying for his mother. 
He was so sick, and I, was, I had to step into that role because he'd gotten food poisoning. And so I mothered him through the night as he threw up, and he just was so miserable. I could tell you stories about Jathan and how he was terrified of chickens. And, and so, he would, so he would say, Terry, really big and loud when he was up on top of the roof working, and I'd have to come and shoo the chickens away so he could come down off the top of the roof. But the main thing I could tell you about that trip is my time with Ruby. I would sit and I would listen to her stories and I would sit and listen to her wisdom and we would talk about faith and all kinds of things. And one day she said to me, what do you believe? And in my naive state, I started talking about our church and how it had red carpet and this and that. And and I was just talking about things in general and she looked at me and she said, well, we believe that if the spirit gets in you, you're going to move. When the Spirit gets in you, you're going to move. Cuando el Espíritu Santo te e cuantos te moveras. When the Spirit gets in you, you're going to move. Well, that's it in a nutshell. That's what James is saying. Faith is a dead faith unless we are moved by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enlivens us to do the work of God. James says that wisdom is God's work in action. You heard this wonderful passage from James in Spanish just a moment ago, and I'm going to read it from the message, which is a paraphrase in everyday language translation. Do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish plotting. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced, You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. As I was reading through this passage from James, my grandma's words came back to me. Terry Sue, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. She said that numerous times to me, especially when I was not acting appropriately. James tells us, live well, live wisely, live humbly. Vive bien, vive con sabiduría y vive con humildad. I hope I got that right. All right. (laughs) Live well, live wisely, live humbly. Good advice. 
Not a command for just mothers, but to us all, right? The first one, live well. What does it mean to live well? When I think of people who have lived well, I don't think of people who have accumulated a lot of possessions. I think of people who have accumulated a lot of relationships. I think of people who have a story to tell. When you were a child, how many times did you beg your mom or dad, please give me another list of rules and regulations? (laughs) Anybody here that wanted that? No, I didn't think so. Never, right? But how often did you tell your parents or beg them at bedtime, please tell me another story? Please tell me another story. What do we do at family reunions and holiday celebrations? We bring out the same old stories, don't we? Initiating each each new generation in the stories of our ancestors. In the telling and retelling of our stories, we make them living history. At this wedding this weekend, I heard lots of stories. I heard lots of stories about the family and pulled out pictures of the family. And I got to hear how... They grew up together in these wonderful times as children. My dad tells me the same stories of his childhood, stories that shaped him, stories of him working on the farm when times were difficult during the Depression. My mom, Alzheimer's, has stolen her memories. It's awful disease. But she still remembers her mother and father. She can go way back into her memories of mother and father, and she can remember the love that guided her family. Stories are how we learn who we are, where we've come from, and where we're going. A mature human being lives a well-storied life. There are stories that teach each of us about identity, revolutionary stories, covered wagon Pioneer stories, Great Depression stories, hippity-dippity 60s stories, 9-11 stories, and now pandemic stories. There are still other stories that teach us about family identity, proud moment stories, scandalous secret stories, celebration stories, birth stories, triumph and tragedy stories, new love stories, forgiveness stories, Christians are more than just our country's stories. Christians are more than just our family's stories. Christians have the greatest story ever told. Amen? We have the story of Adam and Eve. We have the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have the story of Mary and Joseph. And we have the story of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. We have stories of faith. We live well when we live out our most basic identity as those who follow Jesus Christ. We live well when we tell the story of Jesus to the world around us. Vivimos bien cuando le cantamos el mundo la historia de Jesús. When is the last time you told your story? When's the last time You told someone how your faith became alive. 
Living well is living out our story, church. And James says, don't only live well, live wisely. For James, living wisely is twofold. One is understanding and the other is action. James says that the wisdom that directs one's life in positive ways is something beyond human intellectual accumulation. Its origins are divine. Wisdom comes from God. The book of Job says, but wisdom, where does she come from? Where is the place of understanding? God understands her way. He knows her place. Where he looks to the ends of the earth and surveys everything beneath the heavens. Then he observed it, spoke of it, established it, searched it out, and said to humankind, Look, the fear of the Lord is wisdom. Turning from evil is understanding. The addition of understanding ensures James' emphasis upon the practical advantage of true wisdom, namely that, that one understands how to put it in practice. Having argued as he did in the first two chapters of his letter, James would be the last person to advocate that the mere possession of knowledge is an end in itself. In fact, James would consider, wouldn't consider that wisdom at all. The choices we make in life, the way we live out our faith out in the world is an act of our understanding of God's wisdom through us in this world. Have you ever looked back over your life and thought, man, that wasn't very wise of me. That wasn't a good choice. That was a bad call. I read this week something um, Major League Baseball umpire wrote. You remarked about with regards to the crowd disagreeing with a call. Anybody here ever disagreed with an umpire's call or am I the only one? Okay. Thought I was talking to my people here. He said that he could never understand how crowds in the grandstand, hundreds of feet away from the plate, could see better and judge more accurately than he could when he was only seven feet away from home plate. Then he added these words wonderful. Sometimes in life we call strikes on a person when we're really too far away to understand. Maybe if we had a closer view of that person and their problems, we would review our choice of calling him out. We would give him the benefit of the doubt. That is, we would make a favorable judgment about when the proof of that person's blame or guilt is inconclusive. To live wisely, church, is to have the godly wisdom to review our choices and ask God to guide us. James 1, in his first chapter, 1-5, says this, But anyone who needs wisdom should ask God, whose very nature is to give to everyone without a second thought, without keeping score. Wisdom will certainly be given to those who ask. As a parent, as a mother, how many times have I asked God to give me wisdom? How many times have I prayed that prayer? I could not count. 
because as for those of us in this room who are parents, we know that we need wisdom and it does not come from us. To raise a child in faith, we have to have the wisdom from God. It is divine wisdom that guides us. So James says, live well, live wisely. And then he says, live humbly. If there's anything in the world that will humble you, it's being a parent. Amen? <laughs> now I have to tell you this story. Addie Grace is right over there on the front row, so I'm going to hope she's not paying attention. My son-in-law, Matt, is one of the most patient men I've ever met in my life. He is so docile and quiet, and Addie Grace is not. <laughs> and she was in trouble one day over something, I don't know even what, and she was not paying attention to her daddy as her daddy was trying to explain to her why she was in trouble, and so he down on the table, Addie Grace, pay attention to me. So she straightened up. She paid attention. The next day, she goes to her babysitter. And the babysitter said, did you get in trouble yesterday? Yes, I got in trouble. She said, well, what did you learn from this? He, she said, that my daddy can't control his temper. <laughs> Children will humble you, amen? <laughs> Children will humble you. Living humbly, especially as one who might offer parental advice, is knowing when you get it right and knowing when you don't, right? And knowing you don't always get it right for sure. Any parent out here made a mistake in advice? How many of you regretted something you said to your child? My daughters are on the front row there. <laughs> Living humbly means that you're willing to take a good look at yourself and your actions. In his book, Lessons from a Father to a Son, Missouri Senator John Ashcroft describes his ailing father's advice after Ashcroft had served a few months of his first term in office. Now, one of the things I did not know about John Ashcroft was that his dad was a minister, pastor. And he writes about this in his book. He says, Ashcroft writes, As we talked, the earnestness of my father's voice suddenly commanded everyone's attention. John, dad said, please listen carefully. The spirit of Washington is arrogance, and the spirit of Christ is humility. Put on the spirit of Christ. Nothing of lasting value has ever been accomplished in arrogance. Ashcroft goes on, he said, the room was absolutely quiet. All of us were absorbed by what my father had said, and we awaited what he was struggling to say next. And he said this, someday I hope someone will come up to you as you're fulfilling your duties as a senator 
tug on your sleeve and say, Senator, your spirit is showing. He goes further in the book to talk about a time in the airport in which he was struggling because some of his luggage was not getting transferred in the way that it needed to, and he was beginning to lose his temper, and he heard from the back of the part of the airport where they were handling the luggage these words, well, he's a senator, so he thinks people should just do what he wants. And he remembered his dad's wisdom and his words. Someday, I hope someone will come up to you and say, Senator, your spirit is showing. And he said, Ashkoff realized his spirit was showing all right, but it was the wrong spirit. If the spirit gets in you, you're going to move. Living humbly means you're aware of the power of the Holy Spirit so that you're moving in the right direction. Live well. Live wisely and live humbly. Great advice from James for all of us. Amen. Vivi bien, vivi con sabiduría y vivi con humildad. Sylvia's rooting for me down there. She's just rooting for me. Actions speak louder than words. Amen, church? Great questions for us to leave today as I close. Is your faith alive? Is your faith alive? Is your spirit showing? Is it in, moving in the right direction? Are you telling your story? You've got a story to tell, church. Tell it. And are you asking God for the wisdom for each and every day? Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, wash over us as we leave this place your wisdom that it comes from you. Help us to move in the right directions, God. May we live this faith alive and well. In Jesus' name, amen.